is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. going on guys thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today this is episode 420 for your tuesday march 8th 2022 i am jd from new york and this is the ots venue thank you guys again for joining me on your tuesday afternoons wherever you may be i had a lot of people ask me man are you gonna do anything for episode 420 Sounds like a nice round number for you to do something special on the podcast, man. No, I'm not going to do anything special for episode 420. I know you guys were anticipating something a little bit special because of the number that it correlates to. But I'm just going to conduct business the way I usually conduct business and give you guys the wrestling news for the week, man. We're going to be on top of everything this week. It's a busy week. We're getting closer and closer to WrestleMania. We just finished what was an absolutely historic and monumental AEW Revolution pay-per-view. Unbelievable show. We're going to go over the results and what happened there again today on the podcast. I'm still feeling the effects of AEW Revolution. Tony Khan and AEW knocked it out of the park on Sunday night. Probably their best pay-per-view of all time. And I said that more than once in the live stream review. Probably AEW's best pay-per-view of all time. And if you don't think it is, it absolutely is in the top two or three. No question about it. That was a fantastic show. Unbelievable show. And I can't wait for Dynamite to see the aftermath of everything that happened on Sunday night at Revolution. Like I said, we're getting closer and closer to WrestleMania. It certainly doesn't feel like Wrestlemania season. It never really feels like Wrestlemania season. WWE has kind of gotten into the groove of being lazy and lackadaisical at the Wrestlemania build. Wrestlemania is only Wrestlemania in name. They promote the show and the card based on the name value of the event, and they feel like they don't have to put really anything into the show as far as storylines. And you can see that WWE, the way that they book their show have gone out of their way to give more creative to Johnny Knoxville, Logan Paul, and everybody else that's a D-list celebrity. Pat McAfee. They're looking to get Stone Cold Steve Austin back into the fold here on WWE television. They have put more effort into reaching out to non-wrestlers and retired wrestlers, retired superstars, than actually building storylines for those that have been there all year. And this is one of the reasons why I vehemently hate 
WrestleMania. I love WrestleMania for one reason and one reason only, and that's because it's my largest audience of the entire year. So I'm grateful for that, but I'm not grateful for WWE taking what is the biggest wrestling show of the entire year for any promotion and really treating it as the way that they have. It sucks. It really does suck. It's very deflating. For a wrestling fan and a fan of WWE, it is very deflating. And I can't stand it. But WrestleMania season is here. We got another four weeks to go before WrestleMania. And I'm going to cover it all. We got a lot of news. Some WrestleMania-worthy news here on the show today. We're going to talk about WWE and the Cody Rhodes situation. Apparently, it has gone completely cold. Cody Rhodes has been taken off of the internal documents now, reportedly. And he's off of WrestleMania's card. I don't know what's going on. Dave Meltzer's reporting something. Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net's reporting something else. Sean Ross Sapp is reporting something else. Nobody knows what is happening with Cody Rhodes. And I think that's a good thing. I think we need to put the Cody Rhodes news on the back burner. I think this news is kind of overtaking everybody's priority here. As we get into WrestleMania, yes, I'd love to see Cody Rhodes back in a priority role on WWE television. Yes, I'd love to see him succeed. Yes, I'd love to see WWE build shows around Cody Rhodes. I love Cody Rhodes. But I don't think WWE is bringing in Cody for any reason but to say that they've taken him away from AEW. Now, with all the Ring of Honor news, who's to say Cody Rhodes doesn't end up back in AEW? Who's to say Cody Rhodes failed to come to an agreement with WWE and is now going to go back to Tony Khan and AEW and have a little play with the new Ring of Honor that Tony Khan has now acquired? We don't know. So it's going to be a very interesting last four weeks of this WrestleMania season. We're going to talk about Samoa Joe, speaking of Ring of Honor. Samoa Joe has opened up about his WWE departure and opened up about his future in the world of professional wrestling. Whoever grabs the services of Samoa Joe is going to be better off for it, as long as he's able and capable of being in-ring. And Samoa Joe, listen, man, I I told you once, I'm going to say it again, I don't know how WWE never utilized him. I know he was injury-prone, but the fact that they got rid of him, I don't understand why you would get rid of somebody like Samoa Joe who is just as valuable outside of the ring as he is inside the ring. So we're going to talk about Samoa Joe. News on William Regal. I got news on what he'll be doing with AEW as he made his AEW debut at Revolution on Sunday night. Vince McMahon. What type of role is Vince McMahon going to play in the now confirmed for night two? Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. So we'll go over that. WWE announced another Hall of Fame inductee in Vader. We'll talk about that as well. And we'll talk about the MSG show. A lot of chatter on social media about the MSG show. Brock Lesnar was promoted to defend the WWE Championship at MSG in New York City on the road to WrestleMania. It was WWE's last big hoorah house show before WrestleMania. And Paul Heyman made it a statement and made it a thing on WWE television for several weeks, you're not getting to WrestleMania as the WWE champion because I know who your opponent is and it's not going to be good for you and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. It ended up being Austin Theory. And I got into a little back and forth with some people on social media. Of course I did, it's me. But a lot of people 
were very livid over the fact that Austin Theory was announced as Brock Lesnar's opponent at Madison Square Garden for the WWE Championship. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of pathetic, if you ask me. I think it's rather sad that WWE went about what they did with this show and promoted it as such on Raw and on SmackDown, making it a vital part of the storyline going into WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, only to then give us Austin Theory. I don't feel bad or sorry for anybody that paid money to go sit at Madison Square Garden to watch a WWE show. You should already know better. Shame on you. I pity nobody that spends money on WWE and then gets that in their return. Also, Shane Strickland and Jeff Hardy, we saw Swerve debut with AEW on Sunday night. What's going on with Jeff Hardy? Will he be making his debut on Wednesday? According to sources, we will be seeing Jeff Hardy on Wednesday's Dynamite. All that, plus so much more right here on Off The Script. Again, guys, thank you so much for joining me on your Tuesday nights. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That is on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notification. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS. And make sure you guys go and check out my sponsor for today's show. Once again, my great friends over at Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. The best thing is, if you guys don't like Audible or don't want Audible, you want to get the free book and kind of don't want the service, you guys can cancel the service anytime you want within the 30 days and still get to keep your audiobook for free, man. That's a great fucking deal. Audibletrial.com slash script. Go check them out. And if you missed any of the content on the channel, man, there was plenty of it this past week. We missed Raw, but we'll be back with the regular schedule moving forward. I was uh, taking a little bit of a break last week, but we missed Raw. We were back for Dynamite. We did SmackDown. We did Rampage. A couple of OTSs last week. Revolutions post-show. That was all live last week. If you missed any of that, go and check it out. It is on the homepage right now if you want more content from Off the Script. Let's start at the top, man. WWE has had talks with EA Games about the future of WWE 2K. Now, WWE 2K22 is set to come out, and I'm a big video game guy. I don't know if I'm going to meddle in the new game. I don't really trust 2K. I don't really feel like they made the appropriate changes to make the game and the franchise better. And I don't think WWE really trusts them at uh, at all either. I, I honestly think WWE is sick and tired of the 2K. And it's not, listen, it's not all 2K's fault. 2K has had to work within the boundaries of WWE, but it's the fundamental things that really get me. Yes, WWE are a bunch of lunatics. And yes, WWE has released over 200 wrestlers that I'm sure that 2K had already scanned into the game. WWE is not fully to blame here. And honestly, again, like I said, it all comes down to fundamentals. The gameplay, the graphics, just the overall feel of the game. Nothing's really changed. They don't listen to the community. The developers want to do what they want to do without listening to the feedback of the community. Options and modes and matches and all this different stuff that should have been in the game. Really simple shit. Not in the game. And WWE seeing the feedback from not only WWE 2K20, 
But also their last game, which I believe was WWE 2K Battlegrounds, a more cartoony game. The reaction to both of these games were horrendous. And WWE does not want to be in bed with 2K anymore. And they feel like they're falling behind the video game market because there are other games. There are other alternatives, including the major AEW title coming out, hopefully sometime this year, early next year. They're falling behind in the pro wrestling scene in the video game world. So Fightful is reporting now. This is from Mike Shaw. He's a video game, uh, I guess, journalist, I'm assuming. I did read something from him a while back in regards to the game and how WWE was frustrated with 2K from the beginning because of all the releases that they were doing because of the budget cuts. So Mike Shaw is back, again via Fightful. And WWE has had preliminary discussions with EA, Electronic Arts, about bringing its video games to the publisher. This comes at a time when WWE 2K20 is viewed right now. This week is coming out on Friday. If you pre-ordered, you're going to get it early. 2K22 is viewed as a make-or-break release for the entire franchise, considering the disaster that was WWE 2K20, which resulted in the publisher taking a year off to rebuild the next installment. The last contract signed between the two sides was back in 2016. Sources indicated that it was for six years with an option to extend it. Should the game sell well, and everything goes well as far as making money off the title this year, then an extension could be made. But if it's viewed as a failure, then moving with EA could become a greater possibility for WWE. The report stated that talks between WWE and EA have been on and off for years, including before the 2016 extension. Now, let me, let me scale it back and, and hit pause for a second. WWE is in a contract with WWE 2K, 2K Games. And they have had talks on and off with EA about possibly moving over to them to publish and make the game and continue the franchise. So this was something that was kind of souring even before we got into 2K20 and now on into 2K22. 2K games, to me, I don't know what you guys do as far as playing video games or not. 2K games, obviously, as the NBA 2K series, they've been involved with the WWE series. And I feel like their business practices are very, very shady. I don't think that they're a good development team. I don't think that they're a good publishing team. I think their PR is fucking horrendous. WWE 2K has absolutely demoralized its fan base and has brought nothing new to the table as far as video games for pro wrestling. It's literally the same thing year after year after year with minor changes. The only thing I've seen this year is maybe updated graphics, maybe an updated movement system. I already hear people complaining about the grappling system, and and it's not really a game that you can pick up and play as a casual player. There's a huge learning curve to it. It's a very, very in-depth, involved simulation pro wrestling game. A lot of people just want to pick up a controller and play an arcade game and have fun and be creative and make their dream matches and run a GM mode or run a show and build a WrestleMania season or, you know, do a whole WWE calendar from beginning to end. WWE 2K, they always leave out things here and there, and they don't give the fans everything that they want. Some of the things are hidden behind DLC. 
Just like with everybody else, they're not only to blame. Everybody does it in the video game realm nowadays. But as far as this is concerned, it's their own fault. They haven't done anything to really show us that the team cares. Oh my God, you took a year off. Great. This is the type of game that we should have been getting every single time. The one major fucking problem is you people always ask for bigger and better. And then the development team have to rush to make a game every fucking year. These games should not have a yearly life cycle. Call of Duty has finally just made the decision to cut the yearly Call of Duty cycle. We're not getting a Call of Duty after this year's game next year. They're taking the year off. It should be at least a year or two tops to take the team, give them some time to get the next game right, and continue building on the current game that you got. New maps, new guns, new roster. Give us a real-time updated roster with real-time updated entrances. Continue to make the current game that you spent all this time on bigger and better. Continue to add things into the game to make it bigger and better. That's what they should do. I haven't seen anything like that since the franchise has been in the hands of 2K. You can give me NWO, you can give me The Undertaker, you can give me a Rey Mysterio fucking showcase mode to highlight the man's career. It's not going to change the fact that the game itself is still basically the same game that we got year over year over year, and it's basically a mirror image but with updated graphics compared to 2K20. It may be less buggy than 2K20. I can see why WWE wants to move to EA, but moving to EA really isn't all that it's cracked up to be either. They're not really somebody that you could trust as well with anything. EA is a master of fucking bullshit. Microtransactions, I believe. uh, Look at what they did with Battlefield. Look what they did with Battlefield. DICE is in charge of Battlefield. EA, right? Look at what they have done with Battlefield 2042, man. A colossal fucking disaster. And it's all because of their shady business practices. It's all because everybody is fucking money hungry. I don't understand how anybody looks at this as being a good thing. In fact, this may actually be worse than WWE sticking it out with 2K. The report states that talks between WWE and EA have been on and off for years, including before the 2016 extension, but the two sides started talking again about an agreement as far back as early 2021. This is after the lackluster reception of WWE 2K20 and Battlegrounds. WWE has shown a lot of frustration with the reception and lack of success of recent games, one source said. The gaming market is a major selling point for WWE, and they believe they've fallen behind the competition. WWE internally believes that the games need to provide more reasons than ever to justify the cost of them, and many have felt the 2K games haven't done that. The feeling in the company is that their games have been unfairly given fewer resources compared to other titles such as NBA 2K, which are far greater than WWE 2K. WWE reportedly feels the sales for its games are not on par with NBA 2K because of 2K cutting resources towards development. Since 2K15, the budget allocated to the development of the game has gone down year over year over year. WWE and EA have been complementary of each other in the past. Stephanie McMahon praised EA for the inclusion of of women in EA Sports NHL games, while on the flip side, EA COO Laura Melee praised... WWE for featuring female talent on a billboard in Saudi Arabia. Here we go. 
VA doesn't reach an agreement with WWE for its video games, then it's believed to be another multi-year wait for the first game to come out. So even after 2K22 is released and they move over to EA potentially, it's going to be a multi-year wait, as it should be. As it should be. Will the game be any better? I don't know. Will the game look any better? Will the game play any differently? No. Look at what they've done with, with Battlefield. Look at what they've done with Madden. How many, how many of you guys buy Madden every year? It's the same fucking game every year. These games don't need yearly releases. They don't. But, but this is the video game realm, and this is WWE. You, you're talking about some of the grittiest business practices in all of the land with video game developers, publishers, and then WWE on the back end. They want something. They want something to be done their way, and they want something to be done right to make them money. The game doesn't need to come out every year. I find it to be quite sad that people actively promote this shit, get excited about this shit, knowing exactly what the fuck is going on. I don't really care who makes the fucking game. I just want a good game. But EA is not the type of people you want making your fucking game. Nothing good comes out of EA. Nothing. They are the the masters of rinse and repeat. So you're going from 2K to somebody that's butchered multi-billion dollar franchises year over year over year and have given you the same game with zero creativity for over a decade now. We'll see what happens. I hope for the best, because I would really like a good video game to dive myself into, man. I used to have fun with the WW2K games. Not anymore. I don't know how the community in on that side of things, the, the 2K community, the video game community there with the WW game, I don't know how you guys do it, man. I really don't. I really don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on with Cody Rhodes, man. I, I really don't understand what the hell's going on. Cody Rhodes apparently is... Falling out of favor with WWE. The talks have fizzled out. Then Ringside News reported something very, very interesting earlier last week. They reported something in regards to Cody Rhodes. And then they reported a follow-up saying, well, what we reported first about Cody Rhodes being on the internal line sheet for WrestleMania, now we can actively confirm that Cody Rhodes is off the line sheet and the internal documents for WrestleMania, WWE doesn't know what's going on with Cody Rhodes anymore. Cody Rhodes may not return to WWE after all. Saturday, Cody Rhodes' status changed, and Creative was told about this on Friday. At this point, there's been no contact between the E and Cody Rhodes. Wrestling Observer Radio last week with Dave Melcher talked about Rhodes' status, and it looks like Rhodes may be leaving and going back to AEW. He's having second thoughts about going back to WWE. Meltzer says in that quote, his status has changed in theory. He was on the books in WWE. They had creative laid out for him. They still thought on Friday that they had creative laid out for him. And then now it's very uncertain. They don't know what's going on with Cody Rhodes. They're not sure. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. It's still up in the air. They don't know. They thought they had him. And it's not like it's dead It's not like they don't think they don't have him, but they are right now not so sure. So that's the situation with Cody Rhodes. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Meltzer also noted that the speculation that perhaps Rhodes may be working with Tony Khan again as part of Tony Khan's Ring of Honor. Everyone in the world, says Meltzer, thinks Cody's going to run Ring of Honor or something. I suppose there's a way to do that angle and everything like that. I guess we'll have to just wait and see how this all plays out. Now, that was Dave Meltzer's report. That was Dave Meltzer's report. Then Ringside News chimed in with their report And they were told as of 3.47 p.m. on Friday afternoon, and I quote, Cody, as of an hour ago at 2.47, was still on the internal documents for WrestleMania. No other information was available. As with anything in WWE, plans can change. Then, Then three hours after their exclusive report about Cody Rhodes and him being on the internal documents for WrestleMania, WWE's creative team was informed about a change of plans. Ringside News was then told the following morning to double confirm on everything, Cody Rhodes is off any internal WrestleMania documents. He is no longer listed as being a part of WrestleMania 38. I don't know what's going on. I wish I did. I put it out there. But I honestly think this is one big game. I really do. It could be Cody Rhodes is going back to AEW. It could be that Cody Rhodes is going to join Tony Khan's Ring of Honor and be head of creative over at Ring of Honor. Now, that isn't the case because Tony Khan last night at the Revolution post-show scrum says he is going to be head creative of Ring of Honor, which I'll talk about in a second. So that may not even be on the table anymore. He is certainly capable and possible to go back to AEW. But he was on the internal documents, then he was off the internal documents, he's on the internal documents, he's off the internal documents. It's one big game. I honestly think somebody's being fed false information and complete bullshit, and he was once on the WrestleMania internal documents, then they took him off, and they want people second-guessing because at the end of the day, they probably want it to be a surprise. I said it from day one. I do think Cody Rhodes is going back to WWE. I do think there's a possibility he ends up back in AEW. And I did say that there's a possibility that all this leads to Cody Rhodes going back to AEW and running creative for the new Tony Khan recently acquired Ring of Honor. But that's not happening now. Tony Khan confirmed himself that he's running Ring of Honor and creative is going through him. So what exactly is going on? I honestly feel like Meltzer is being fed bullshit. I honestly think that's, and WWE knows that Meltzer is in Tony Khan's pocket and that he's close with Cody Rhodes. Everybody is being given the runaround. I do think Cody is going to end up with WWE. I do think a deal will be made. I do think that they're trying their best 
to keep this shit secretive and a surprise. I don't think WWE is debuting Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. I don't. If Cody Rhodes was going to WWE and in the plans for WrestleMania, they would have already came up with something and he would have been on TV already this season. I don't think that's the case. The best thing for WWE to do here, if this is all bullshit and he really is going to WWE, is to hold him off of TV and wait till the Raw after WrestleMania and then debut him on that Raw. Have him come out and the world will be talking. That's the best plan of action for Cody Rhodes. Everything that we've discussed up until this point is a possibility. But I do think he ends up with WWE. I don't see him back in AEW. And to be quite honest with you, after Revolution on Sunday night, I don't think AEW really needs Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is always going to be a compliment wherever he goes. He would be a great addition to any AEW show. But I don't think AEW needs Cody Rhodes. And that was proven to be a fact after Revolution was over. We're going to wait and see. It's going to be a very unpredictable Cody Rhodes situation. We don't know where he's going to end up. What I would do is wait till the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania and debut him there. That's the best place for him. I don't think he fits at WrestleMania this year with all that is going on. Tony Khan, speaking of Ring of Honor, Tony Khan says he will be the lead booker of the new Ring of Honor. Tony Khan discussed his acquisition of Ring of Honor, revealing that he plans on being the head booker of ROH. Khan announced that he's the new owner of Ring of Honor on last week's episode of AEW Dynamite. During the post-revolution media scrum, Tony Khan noted that he has a lot of plans following the purchase and plans to make more announcements in the future about Ring of Honor. He says, and I quote, I do have a lot of plans, I was very excited about reaching an agreement. I still plan to make more announcements. I'm still in a preliminary phase. And obviously, it's been a very busy time with AEW and Revolution and all things going on. I'll have a lot more to say about it soon. What am I going to do? There are still a lot of things we need to figure out. The distribution is a great question. And what we're going to do moving forward. It assumes we're going to do something moving moving forward. I do want to continue the operations for it. And I have a lot of plans for it. I do expect to continue the wrestling operations, and it's very valuable with the library that we acquired. Distribution, I can't say anything about it yet, about what we are going to be doing and how it will be and how it's going to go live and exist. I can't talk about it yet, but I'm very excited, not just about the library and past content, but the opportunities to create even more Ring of Honor content. Obviously, there are many other revenue streams, merchandising, that we'll be able to generate, but it creates a lot of opportunities for us. It's great. For AEW strategically, I think it's a very good thing that I also now own Ring of Honor. I'm not going to say what I'm going to do with it in terms of the roster going forward, but there is a lot of opportunities, a lot of great wrestlers out there, young wrestlers, and a lot of great wrestlers on the contract here and not under contract here as well. Ring of Honor has an amazing history, and I do plan to respect it, and I do want to keep it alive. That's one of the reasons that they were excited to work with me, not to put words in their mouth. Joe Coff and all the people at Sinclair, they talked about how respecting the legacy was important, and that's why they were happy to see it end this way. I am going to be the head booker. I will be bringing in young wrestlers, and they have a lot of young wrestlers as well. We're very successful here and doing very well here. I plan to continue to do very well With it, and I'm bringing in wrestlers that can work in Ring of Honor 
or AEW potentially. For continuity's sake, when you bring in people, other wrestling companies that have had multiple promotions under one corporate structure or one person, I don't think it's conductive or conducive, rather, to have people coming into an environment, say somebody would come here from there and the whole thing that's been going on with them, I might not be behind it, end quote. Tony Khan, the only thing that I'm kind of confused about is why he's undertaking this project by himself. This is a very Vince McMahon thing to do. And and I don't want to compare Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. They are two completely different wrestling promoters. One is for himself. The other is for himself and for the fans equally. Vince doesn't give a shit about the fans. Vince doesn't give a shit about the criticism of the terrible shows that he puts on. He thinks in his sick and twisted mind that he is doing it right and nobody can be wrong about what he's, uh, or nobody can be right in regards to his, his shows. He can't be wrong with what he's doing. They're two very different promoters. The thing with Tony Khan is, do I trust with what he's doing? Yes. But at the end of the day, I don't want him to wear himself thin. If he's going to be the head booker for Ring of Honor, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Let's get that out there right away. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what they're going to be doing as far as TV distribution. I don't know if they're going to be a live TV series every week, a tape TV series every week, like the old NXT was. I don't know if they're going to continue doing these one-off shows. I don't know if they're going to be a touring brand. I I don't know. Nobody knows. But the thing is, let's think theoretically, if they are a live TV show and they get TV distribution rights, is Tony Khan going to be able to manage running Ring of Honor and then run AEW Dynamite and then Rampage and then book AEW for every major pay-per-view that they have and all these special events coming up? At the end of the day, Tony Khan may be wearing himself thin. And this is what I fear with him and AEW. He wants to be so much in charge and he refuses to delegate and put people in place to do the job for him. He doesn't have to sit there and just let somebody take over completely. He can always oversee it. But at the end of the day, it should ultimately go through him. But the duties and responsibilities should be delegated to others to run the show so he doesn't have to worry about it and stress himself out. I don't even know if he's human. I don't even know if Tony Khan is human at this point. When does he even sleep with the way he runs AEW and books AEW and is always thinking about AEW? Then he's going to have Ring of Honor on his plate too? That's a lot for one man to worry about, man. It really, really is. I don't want him to spread himself too thin. This is the problem that WWE has. Vince McMahon is going to always be in charge of everything. He's in charge of Raw. He's in charge of SmackDown. He's in charge of NXT. All three shows theoretically feel the fucking same. You can't tell the difference between Raw and SmackDown, Raw and NXT, SmackDown and NXT. They're all the same. They're all run by the same people. And if Vince is going to put somebody in charge, he's going to put somebody in charge like Bruce, who's going to run the show exactly the way he would run it if he wasn't there. I don't want to see that happen with AEW. How similar is Ring of Honor going to be to what we see on Dynamite? Theoretically, at the end of the day, they should have different feels. They should be two completely different products. They should not resemble one another. That's WWE's problem. 
Raw resembles too much of SmackDown. We were promised a brand split. Something different from Raw compared to SmackDown. Something different from SmackDown compared to Raw. That's why we all loved NXT so much when Triple H was running it because it wasn't anything like the main roster. It was dark. It was gritty. It was heavy metal. It was pro wrestling. It was creative. It was fun. It pushed the envelope of TV 14. WWE doesn't do any of that. Now they're all the same. Now they all feel the same. And you can see who's running NXT because the vision of NXT falls in line with the vision of Raw and SmackDown. That is the vision of Bruce and Vince McMahon. I don't want Tony Khan to spread himself then. Again, that's just my feeling here. I think he may be undertaking too many responsibilities. He just brought in William Regal. Why can't William Regal be somebody that runs Ring of Honor? How many talent did WWE poach from Ring of Honor? William Regal knows a thing or two about Ring of Honor and and the talent that has worked there and the legacy of Ring of Honor. I mean, it's a very easy fix if Tony Khan wants to take a step back and kind of worry about what he's got to worry about with AEW while also trusting somebody in charge like a William Regal or maybe bring in a Samoa Joe if he's not able to compete in the ring. There's another Ring of Honor legend right there that I'm sure would love a hand at running and maintaining the legacy of Ring of Honor. There are things to do. There are ways to go about it. I don't know if Tony Khan is going to be open to that, but it seems like he is going to be a one-man show with literally everything AEW and Ring of Honor. I really wish he would delegate a little bit more because that's the one thing we've been nailing Vince McMahon on for many, many, many years. Micromanaging and not delegating. I hope everything works out for him. Now, CM Punk, he explained at the same media scrum that he was relieved that Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor instead of Vince McMahon. He says, and I quote, I love Ring of Honor so much, I can't explain how happy that I am, that I'm that my footage, that it's in good hands. It's just good to know that it's in the hands of somebody who will treat it well. I literally feel like my baby is in someone's hands. I know who will raise the child the right way and do good things with it. It won't get made into just some tab on a shitty, confusing app that's hard to navigate, and the boys don't get paid anything off of it. Then he says later in the media scrum, and he explained that he was relieved when he heard the news of AEW purchasing Ring of Honor, and he didn't want WWE to buy it because he didn't want Vince McMahon to own the footage of his Ring of Honor career. I was relieved. Let's be honest. Either Tony was going to buy it or Vince was going to buy it. I don't want Vince to own my footage. He owns enough of it that I don't get paid from. End quote. CM Punk also brought up the questions about how royalties would work with WWE Network before he left in 2014, which he covered during his famous interview on Colt Cabana's podcast. He recalled watching his royalty checks dwindle to nothing because... He only gets money from DVD sales and not from the WWE Network. And now they phased out DVDs. WWE stopped all production of DVDs for everything that they've ever produced. So CM Punk is relieved that Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor instead of Vince McMahon. And that was apparent because CM Punk last night came out during his match with MJF. MJF came out to CM Punk's theme. He trolled everybody. Everybody thought Punk was coming out first. You heard Cult of Personality hit the PA system, and then the music stopped, and then MJF's music hit. He walked down the aisle, and then CM Punk came out to his old Ring of Honor theme by the band AFI. So that was something that happened because of Tony Khan buying the Ring of Honor tape library and the rights to everything Ring of of Honor, 
And that was a part of CM Punk's legacy in Ring of Honor. So now that is actively Tony Khan's. So CM Punk is happy about that. He was able to do that because of the purchase of Ring of Honor from Tony Khan. How fucking awesome is that? How incredible is that? Awesome, awesome stuff. So you know he's relieved. Tony Khan, again, I hope he doesn't spread himself thin with everything that's going on with Ring of Honor. And on top of that, AEW Dynamite. Speaking of revolution... Quickly, if you guys missed my live stream post show, it is live on the homepage right now. Go and check it out. There were some minor technical difficulties last night, so I hope you guys did not mind that. The stream got cut in the middle of it during the MJF and CM Punk match. Coincidentally, uh, my internet just weirdly went out for about 10 minutes. I thought it was uh, a DDoS attack. I thought something happened in the neighborhood. I went downstairs and ran downstairs to reset my router, and then we were back live on YouTube. So if you guys missed that, go and check it out. Revolution was easily, in my honest opinion, AEW's best pay-per-view to date. And the buy-in was like a mini rampage. It was basically a one-hour rampage right before AEW Revolution. So on the buy-in, we got legit Layla Hirsch beating Chris Statlander. We got Hook defeating QT Marshall. We got the House of Black defeating Penta, Eric Redbeard, and Pac. The Revolution show started off with a tremendous match between Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. I thought it was Chris Jericho's best match in AEW to date. It was probably the best I've seen Chris Jericho since his days in the Tokyo Dome with Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. He lost to Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston got the big one. He beats Chris Jericho at Revolution. Fantastic open to a match. Eddie Kingston, they got a made storyline there for him to continue winning and maybe win the big title Not the AW title, but more like the TNT title. Win that big singles title for himself and really just climb up that ladder in that underdog fashion. Jericho looked fantastic. He absolutely reminded me more so last night than any other time in his AW run what Jericho is still capable of. He looked like the Chris Jericho of old in many different situations. Man, excellent, excellent opening match between those guys. Jurassic Express, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks. Jurassic Express retained the AW Tag Team titles. Absolute match of the year candidate. And to see that it's coming from the AW Tag Team Division, I am not shocked. Face of the Revolution ladder match. Orange Cassidy, Wardlow, Will Hobbs, Christian Cage, Ricky Starks, and Keith Lee. This one went to Wardlow and rightfully so. Wardlow is becoming one of my favorite things in all of AEW right now. And it's going to be a pleasure watching the ascent of Wardlow on AEW television. A lot of people are always complaining, well, AEW is always signing XWWE guys, man. I mean, look at Wardlow, look at Darby, look at Sammy, look at MJF, look at Britt Baker. I mean, how many fucking guys? Look at Wardlow. Look at Will Hobbs. Look at Orange Cassidy. These are all AEW originals. So where the fuck are you and why aren't you watching the show to understand the concept That AEW, yes, they're bringing in WWE talent that were fired. They're not signing people because they automatically became free agents. They were fucking fired. And who would let Malachi Black and Andrade and Miro just sit on the free agent market? Give me a fucking break. Who would let Brian Danielson and John Moxley sit on the free agent market? You got to be the dumbest fuck to let those guys just sit and not bring them into the company. AEW is doing more good for the youth. CM Punk even said it last night during the post-show media scrum. AEW's youth is in very, very good hands. It's a beautiful thing to see, and Wardlow was the right winner 
of that match. Happy to see him win and become the number one contender for the TNT Championship. Jade Cargill beat Tay Conti. Jade is looking a lot better. That was probably the best I've ever seen Jade look. A lot smoother. And uh, you could see the work that Brian Danielson is doing with Jade. Awesome there. MJF bled. CM Punk bled. Dog collar match. Punk gets the victory and the revenge. Uh, rightfully so. This was a one-sided uh, if you guys were thinking about the outcome, this was only a one-sided uh, outcome here. MJF, I would love to see MJF win and then move on to the World Championship, but it looks like MJF is going to do something with Wardlow as Wardlow kind of turned on MJF here, kind of trolling him about the Dynamite Diamond Ring. He did have it after he told MJF he didn't, which led to CM Punk getting the GTS on MJF as he fell backwards into a uh, pit full of thumbtacks. was awesome. So now MJF and Wardlow are probably going to continue their little mini feud here. Don't know what Punk does. Maybe he moves on to the World Championship. I did say last night that Punk and MJF, if they really want to do a match three, they could have CM Punk win the World Championship. And when MJF's time is for the World Championship, he could take the World Championship away from CM Punk and get that revenge victory and take the World Championship and end the feud with CM Punk once and for all because he would have taken the title away from Punk. Uh, I, I, do, I do think that's a possibility, so we will see what happens there, but excellent match. Uh, it went nearly 30 minutes, and it was a great storyline-driven in-ring blood fest, a brawl. Can't get the high-flying acrobatics everywhere, man. A lot of people were saying the match was boring. A lot of, a lot of people were saying the match was too slow. I, I don't know what you want. Why do you want anything else from these two guys? They are masters of their craft. It was fucking brilliant. We got Britt Baker surprising Thunder Rosa for the AW Women's Championship. Obviously, Jamie Hayter and Rebel got involved. Tony Khan did announce that on March 16th, it will be St. Patrick's Day Slam for the AEW Women's Division. Thunder Rosa will be wrestling at that show against Layla Hirsch. And if she beats Layla Hirsch, she will be, again, the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship. And then it will be Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker in San Antonio, Texas. For the AEW Women's Championship, I'm hearing a lot of people mention Steel Cage. So we'll see what happens. A lot of people were, were, were a little confused that Thunder Rosa not winning the championship last night. I, I felt like this was the right decision looking back after the announcement of St. Patrick's Day Slam last night during the live broadcast. The match itself was not very good, especially if you compare it to their unsanctioned match at Daly's Place last year. I don't think the feud has been given enough time to really build this second time around. And... I don't know why the match felt so off. It felt like the fans were really not invested in what was going on because not a lot was really given these two women or given to these two women going into the pay-per-view. So I'm liking Rosa winning in San Antonio, Texas. I will take that outcome any day over the week of Rosa winning the championship here in Orlando. So we'll see what happens with Rosa. More than likely, she's going to win that championship in Texas from Britt Baker. John Moxley beat Brian Danielson. This was a great match, 20 minutes, a fucking fight like you would expect. Both guys bled like they expected to bleed. And John Moxley pulls out a surprise victory over Brian Danielson. They brawled at the end because Brian was upset over the fluke finish. And then out comes William Regal, who is now all elite. He forced them to shake hands, but that was after the fact he slapped the fucking skin off of both of their bones right across the face. Unbelievable. If he's going to be a mentor or, or a manager, I'm all for it. 
William Regal, apparently, I got news on William Regal in just a second. He is going to have an on-air role, and he's going to have a backstage role. I can't wait. That may be one of the biggest signings, probably the biggest signing that AEW and Tony Khan have made in the last three years. Awesome match. Brian and Moxley are now possibly on the verge of being a super team led by William Regal. Hardy, Cassidy, and Andrade, they got their asses handed to them by Sting and Darby Allen with Sammy Guevara. Tornado Trios match, fucking chaos. An absolute brawl, super fun to get invested in. Sammy Guevara, Spanish flied Isaiah Cassidy off of the tunnel on the stage through a fucking table, and Sting jumped off a mezzanine through three tables and Andrade. How can't you like it? It was awesome, and one of the best things on the entire show, man. What a fucking chaotic co-main event for Revolution. Awesome stuff. And then the main event, Adam Page defeats Adam Cole, nearly 25 minutes plus, and we got Adam Page retaining the world championship. The Young Bucks did not show face in this match to try and help Adam Cole win the world championship. Keep that in mind. Red Dragon was out there. The Dark Order came to Adam Page's defense, and then all of those guys brawled away and stopped the interference from happening. And then Page eventually won with the buckshot, and that was it. One, two, three, and Adam Page retains the world championship. Easily the best show that AEW has ever done. I feel like I say it every time. If you missed it, make sure you go out of your way at some point if you got some free time to go and watch it, man. Unbelievable stuff, really. I do think the pay-per-views are too long, but at the end of the day, I don't mind it because... I do feel it the next day, but at the end of the day, I don't mind it, and I understand it because you're paying $50 for it, and they only happen four times a year. So AEW wants to give you a true spectacle, and that's exactly what they did with Revolution. There is no way WrestleMania tops this show. None. WrestleMania's got two nights to do what AEW did in one night, and they're going to fail on both Saturday and Sunday, April 2nd and April 3rd. Just throwing that out there. Tony Khan should be congratulated for a job well done on Sunday night. Moving on with the rest of the news, we got another WWE Hall of Fame inductee in Vader. Vader will be inducted into the Hall of Fame as announced on Monday afternoon. His career spanned nearly three decades. Real name, Leon White. He will be inducted into this year's WWE Hall of Fame. Debuted in 1985 until his retirement in 2012, where he worked for several top promotions. The Big Van Vader name was created during his time in Japan when he worked for Old Japan Pro Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. He had a run in WCW from 1990 to 1995. If you guys really want to go back and take a look at Vader, that 91 to 93, I would say, run of his, absolutely fucking dominating, man. I loved Vader. I remember I was more of a WWF guy back in the day than a WCW guy, but I always used to watch WCW Saturday night's main event with my grandparents. Uh, we were over there typically on Saturday night, and I always used to sit in the living room watching WCW, or if my grandma and grandpa wanted to watch something else, I'd go upstairs to their room and watch WCW on TBS at 6.05. Vader was always somebody that I really kind of was attracted to, you know, as far as his presence and what he did as far as a guy that size. 
So I know how good Vader was. It, it, it may be, you know, something that's well before most of your guys' time. But Vader, if you talk about big men, Vader is probably in the top five big men of all time. There were things that that man should not have been doing in the ring that he's that he was doing in the ring. Unbelievable talent was Leon White. Plus, I loved his appearance on Boy Meets World. Just going to throw that out there. Loved his appearance on Boy Meets World. He had a run in uh, WCW from 1990 to 1995. He went to WWF in 1996. He left in 1998. He did nothing there but won a fucking Slammy Award. It's a shame, man. He had had such great potential in WWE, and they dropped the fucking ball like they usually do with everybody with Vader. Imagine that. Paired him with Jim Cornette, of all people, too, and he still fucking failed. Well, in both promotions, he was a main eventer. He main evented an In Your House, or SummerSlam, rather, I think. It was a SummerSlam with Shawn Michaels, if I'm not mistaken. So he did main event with Shawn Michaels. Very good match, but uh, it really never amounted to anything. That was the height of Shawn Michaels' babyface run as the world champion. He held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the WCW World Heavyweight Championship three times in addition to the WCW United States Championship. He also held the WGP Tag Team Championship alongside Bam Bam Bigelow. In the last year of his life, Vader dealt with health issues. He passed away on June 18th in 2018 after being hospitalized for pneumonia, and he passed away at 63 years old. Way too young. He joins The Undertaker, who will be inducted by Vince McMahon in this year's class. And Vader and The Undertaker will be inducted Friday, April 1st from the American Airlines Arena in Dallas and will air live on Peacock after Friday Night SmackDown. Awesome. I only wish that Vader would have gone into the Hall of Fame. Everybody knew he was a Hall of Famer before this. Don't know why he wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame while he was alive so his friends, his colleagues, and his family could see him speak in front of them on stage just celebrating his career. Now we have to do it after he's been gone for three years, four years. It's quite sad. WWE, speaking of WrestleMania, Vince McMahon will apparently play a key role at WrestleMania 38. So this this past Friday on SmackDown, Austin Theory revealed that he will be Pat McAfee's opponent at WrestleMania 38 after Vince McMahon offered the opportunity for SmackDown Uh, and the color commentator, to wrestle at the event. This was during last Thursday's Pat McAfee show with Vince McMahon in studio. It had been previously reported that McMahon versus McAfee was internally listed for WrestleMania with the idea that there would be smoke and mirrors in addition to Theory taking the majority of the bumps for the WWE chairman. Dave Meltzer noted on last week's radio show of the Wrestling Observer Live that McMahon is still expected to be involved in the match, And Meltzer noted that there was a change in the angle this week as Theory slapping McAfee after revealing he would be McAfee's opponent was not originally planned. Meltzer says this, and I quote, Vince McMahon is still in the angle. I don't know if it's going to be a handicap match. I don't know if it's going to be Vince McMahon in the corner of Austin Theory. But I'm getting heavily involved, but getting heavily involved in the angle and everything like that is what's planned for Vince McMahon. Right now, Vince is the key to that match. That is the drawing of that match. That's Vince. He will be introduced at some point, at least as things were on Friday night. Things obviously continually change, 
but it was still talked about backstage. Originally, it was going to be Vince and McAfee, but Austin Theory was going to be all over the match and basically taking all of the bumps. So now it's more of, okay, this is what the real match is going to be, but Vince is somehow going to have an involvement in it, end quote. Meltzer also pointed out that WWE didn't do an angle during McMahon's appearance on the Pat McAfee show, but rather just a basic interview. So now they have to figure out after doing what they did on the Pat McAfee show to get on with the story and what they're going to want to tell. But yeah, Vince is involved in the story in some way. End quote. I don't really care. You know, to be quite honest with you, to be quite honest with you, I don't even want to see Vince get involved. I don't. Because I think Austin Theory is great. I think this is a big spot for Austin Theory and the kind of guy you really want in a spot like this because he's the youth of the company and he's going to be a future piece of the company. Pat McAfee, you know, I could sit here all day long and tell you I don't want guys like Pat McAfee to be taking WrestleMania spots. But after Pat McAfee was in the ring with Adam Cole and how I put him down and after the performance he gave, it shut everybody up. And I was pleasantly surprised to see what Pat McAfee could do in the ring. And if that was against Adam Cole, which everybody knows Adam Cole is one of the best professional wrestlers in the plant, on the planet, and, and now this is at WrestleMania, I, I think Pat McAfee is going to go into this even more hungrier than he was against Adam Cole at a fucking takeover show in, in front of an empty NXT Full Sail Arena. So you, you can almost guarantee Pat McAfee is going to fucking nail a home run here. I, I don't see Pat McAfee going in there and fucking failing. I'm very excited about this match, believe it or not. I think Pat McAfee and Austin Theory have an opportunity to steal the show on Sunday night. And I don't want Vince McMahon getting involved in that. If Vince McMahon does get involved, maybe he should have the consequences come down on Austin Theory the following night on Monday night. Or maybe do something after the match is over. Slap the shit out of him in front of 100,000 people. Whatever the case may be, what is Vince McMahon going to do? And how is he going to get involved with Pat McAfee? He doesn't really have a problem with Pat McAfee as we saw and heard on the Pat McAfee show. So are they going to set up something where Pat and Vince McMahon have this tension and this difference of opinion all of a sudden? It's going to be very manufactured at that point, don't you think? I think WWE trying to come up with something is going to, is going to feel and be very produced this late in the game. I honestly think the best way to attack this is just let it be. Let it be. There's already no storyline going into this match with Austin Theory and Pat McAfee. Austin Theory is only in this match because Vince McMahon gave Pat McAfee a match, chose Austin Theory, and Austin Theory is working with Vince McMahon on TV right now as his protege. That's it. Other than that, there's no real story. There's no real tension between Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. Austin Theory's a Monday Night Raw superstar. Pat McAfee's a color commentator on SmackDown. Very good one at that. I don't really get why Vince McMahon needs to play a key role here. Unless it turns into a fucking tag team match and Pat McAfee goes and gets himself a tag team partner... Everybody was talking, well, if Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't do something with Kevin Owens, this would be the perfect opportunity for Vince McMahon and Austin Theory to team up, maybe against Pat McAfee and Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Stone Cold is not coming back for another fucking match at WrestleMania out of retirement after all these years to wrestle Vince McMahon again and team with Pat McAfee. It's a very weird situation, man. I honestly think simple is best here. Let Pat and let Austin Theory go out there and really have a fucking great match. Whatever is to happen with Vince McMahon... Have it happen at the end of the match or have it happen on Monday Night Raw where Austin Theory is a part of the Monday Night Raw roster. Speaking of 
on-air authority figures. Vince McMahon is an on-air authority figure. He's the CEO of WWE. William Regal. He's now All Elite. He will have an on-air role and a backstage role with AEW. Tony Khan has provided more insight on William Regal's role with AEW moving forward following his AEW Revolution debut. During the pay-per-view, Regal made a surprise appearance to stop John Moxley and Brian Danielson's post-match brawl. Many fans have stated that they love the former Performance Center name to take on a backstage role in AEW. In the post-Revolution media scrum, Tony Khan confirmed that William Regal will both work on screen and behind the scenes, saying, and I quote, I think he can contribute on screen in a major way to both Brian Danielson, and he also has a history with John Moxley, and also behind the scenes. I'm really excited to have him here. I think Lord Regal can teach us all, everyone here, a lot. It came together very recently, and I think it fits very well with everything we're doing here in AEW all around. I was very surprised to see that he had been released and he was going to be available. I have tons of respect for his mind, and I think he's going to be a very valuable person here in AEW. Regal was released, shockingly, on January 5th from the WWE Performance Center. He was released because he was a Triple H boy. He was part of Triple H's uh, team, uh, a big part of Triple H's team, and WWE The only reason why they have gutted NXT is because it is all directly involved with Triple H and they looked to remove everything Triple H. That's the only reason why they did what they did with NXT. And everybody that was a part of Triple H's team has been either fired or moved somewhere else or given a lesser role. William Regal was a part of those unfortunate budget cuts, quote unquote, from the WWE on January 5th. This is the biggest signing that AEW has gone out there and signed. The biggest name that AEW has gone out there and signed. He's not even an active in-ring performer. This guy is as NXT as anybody else. He has all this knowledge for how many fuck 40 years of knowledge. Triple H knew. Everybody in NXT knew what William Regal was and how important and valuable he was. He was NXT just as much as Triple H, just as much as Dusty Rhodes and everybody else there. It was... Dusty, Triple H, and William Regal. The top three fucking names, in no particular order. You want to say Dusty is NXT number one? Sure. I won't fault you for that. Triple H is probably number one to me. He was the creative genius behind everything. He put a team together of great individuals like Dusty and William Regal. Top three names right there in NXT. Why it was so great. Now he's working for AEW. You don't think that's a valuable fucking asset? You don't think William Regal who was a part of all those incredible shows and the scouting of talents and had a direct fucking effect on everything that happened on air with NXT, backstage with NXT, how those takeovers came off. You don't think William Regal was a part of any of that? Oh, he was fucking a huge part of all of that. You you know how excited I was for those shows? Do you know how excited I am for that here? Plus all the young talent that may work a little too fast, that might not have timing down, that may work that that overly aerial style, an acrobatic style, to slow it down a little bit. William Regal is going to be the guy to reel those guys in and tell a great story. 
He's going to have them tell a great story. He's going to give them things that they probably have never heard from anybody else. And they're going to take that, they're going to apply it, and they're going to be better off for it. As far as an on-air role, too, Tony Khan says he will never be an on-air talent on AEW. He will never be a GM like a Vince McMahon or an evil boss like Vince McMahon was with the Mr. McMahon character. AEW doesn't need authority figures. He is the authority. He books the show from behind the scenes. Everybody knows it. But if AEW ever gets an on-air authority figure and a GM or a commissioner or a constable, whatever the fuck you want to call it, this is the guy. This is the only guy that I would accept in that role. I can't wait for Wednesday. I think Regal being on television and having a say in the Sean Moxley and Brian Danielson storyline is fucking brilliant and tremendous. I can't wait. What a signing by Tony Khan. Easily one of the biggest names that he signed, and it's going to pay off huge for AEW's future. Steve Austin. Steve Austin, apparently, has not agreed to wrestle at WrestleMania. This was during Wrestling Observer Live last week. Dave Meltzer stated that WWE wants Austin in an actual match, but as of Friday before SmackDown, Austin had not agreed to be at WrestleMania. Austin will be on the show, but the only thing he has committed to as far as anything is a confrontation with Kevin Owens as he's been berating the state of Texas. Meltzer said the big thing was they wanted Vince and they wanted Austin because they got a lot of tickets to sell. And Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory is not going to be selling a lot of tickets. And Steve Austin versus Kevin Owens, you know, they will have a conversation, but it's not clear if it will be a match or not anymore. It's essentially up to Austin at this point. They want the match. They thought they had the match. And you know, Steve... There's a reason he hasn't wrestled in almost 20 years. I just know that as of Friday, he had not agreed to do the match, even though it was on the books. Now it's on the books as far as only confrontation is concerned. End quote. He does go on to say that Kevin Owens and Steve Austin will have this confrontation. And in recent weeks, WWE had Shawn Michaels, Booker T, and JBL record videos to condemn what Owens has been saying about their home state of Texas. This apparently is leading to Austin's return, but then again, there is no match set in stone for Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't know what they're doing with Owens, Rollins, Orton, Riddle, or or anybody else of that matter. Finn Balor, Damian Priest. There's a lot of names on Monday Night Raw that don't have a solid uh, role at WrestleMania. So I don't know what's going on as far as their roles at WrestleMania is concerned. I'm glad Austin hasn't committed. I think it's kind of pathetic. I don't mind Austin in a confrontation role. I don't mind coming out or Austin coming out and stunning somebody and drinking a fucking beer and having a beer celebratory beer bath. I don't care about any of that. But if you want to do it, make sure it fits and make sure it's right. And Austin doesn't need to wrestle. If he wants to show up on Monday Night Raw and kind of tease something that he's going to be at WrestleMania, then fine. If you're going to use Austin to sell tickets, then fine. But I'm glad at the end of the day, Austin values himself and his fucking career and sees through what WWE is thinking here. They can't sell tickets on their own because of their creative failures. Nobody knows that better than Steve Austin. He knows it. He sees it. He's not a fucking idiot. He knows that they're only using him and want him to wrestle to sell tickets because they can't do it with their own fucking talent because their creative sucks and they've buried everybody. So now they're relying on him who's been retired for 20 years. I'm glad he values his career and he values himself. Who's to say he can even fucking wrestle? 
Who's to say his neck is in condition and his knees are in good shape to even get in the ring? Oh, but he could do a five-minute match and Kevin Owens will be a safe worker. I I don't care. Nobody wants to see Stone Cold Steve Austin in the ring. Stop with the drinking of the nostalgia. It goes bad after a while. It's gone very stale in WWE because it's all they rely on. Let's start getting the roster up to a point where they can be the next Steve Austin. And maybe you wouldn't have to rely on Austin and Logan Paul and fucking uh, Johnny Knoxville and Ronda Rousey and Bill Goldberg and all these other fucking people that eventually are going to go bye-bye. I'm glad Austin's not wrestling and fuck WWE. They get what they deserve. They think they're slick. Yeah, we want Austin, but we know why you want Austin. You want Austin because you can't sell fucking tickets. Austin knows that, and he's going to throw it right back in their face. Good for him. Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is set to debut with AEW potentially this week. We already saw Shane Swerve Strickland debut for AEW. It was a more formality with Shane Strickland. He came out, and he signed a contract, and he addressed the crowd a little bit. He didn't get placed on the show. He didn't make a surprise debut. He was just introduced to contract. He signed the contract, and he'll show up when he shows up, when creative plans are in place for him. Jeff Hardy, on the other hand, his 90-day non-compete ends on Wednesday. There is major speculation that we see Jeff Hardy on Wednesday. Fightful is reporting that Jeff is scheduled to be at Dynamite on Wednesday, but it is not confirmed if he will be appearing on the show. Wednesday, March 9th, would be Jeff Hardy's first day as a free agent because he was released on December 9th, and he has been under the 90-day WWE non-compete. Hardy was released, as you guys know, because of some erratic behavior thought to be by WWE officials when he jumped over a guardrail during a match at a house show. Hardy later revealed that his drug test results came back clean and he passed a breathalyzer test. Matt and Jeff have since said it appeared that WWE jumped the gun on Jeff's firing, And once it was realized that the results were clean, WWE actually begged Jeff to come back and gave him a spot in the Hall of Fame if he did. Jeff said no. He turned down the offer to come back. He turned down the offer to be in the Hall of Fame. And he said publicly he will be joining AEW. You love to see it. WWE begging like a bunch of fucking losers. WWE in the mud. Jeff is going to be a big deal for AEW. Tony Khan is already all over that. Tony Khan's already fucking salivating at the thought of the Hardy Boys back together on AEW television, being added to that tag team division, and having one final run at the AEW Tag Team Championships. It's going to be a big deal, guys. It's going to be a big deal. It's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan, especially if you are a fan of AEW. Speaking of contract, Josh Alexander resigns with Impact Wrestling. Alexander, his contract expired on February 14th, Valentine's Day, with him being sent home on Impact Television by Scott DeMore to play into the contract storyline. Alexander returned this week, and it is finally set to get his Impact World Championship match against Moose, Moose at the Rebellion pay-per-view. After the show, Alexander cut a promo to the live audience saying that he never intended to go anywhere else, and he has signed a multi-year deal with the company, even photographed himself with the contract on social media. He will be there for at least another two years. So, Josh Alexander, I love him. I think he's fucking awesome. I know he was name-dropped on AEW television, but AEW is so backlogged with talent right now. 
Having Josh Alexander over there would be great, but I think Josh Alexander made the right choice staying with Impact Wrestling, and he's going to do good things, man. He's only going to get better. Only going to continue to make a name for himself. Only going to get himself a bigger payday somewhere else when all is said and done. And I think staying with Impact was the right move for him. So good to see him back and finding work again. I know there was a visa issue with him as well. He's back doing his thing, and it's going to be a great thing to see Josh Alexander continue owning Impact Wrestling. And finally, guys, we're going to end with this Samoa Joe addressing his pro wrestling future. He was released. Samoa Joe was released along with William Regal and Road Dogg as NXT was continued to get gutted and be gutted because of the hatred that upper management has for Triple H. Samoa Joe hasn't been an active full-time in-ring performer in over two years due to concussion issues. Although he had one match last year where he beat Karrion Cross to win the NXT title at NXT TakeOver 36. He later vacated the title. I remember he vacated the title. I seen the, the news feed. I was actually out to dinner and the news feed hit. Samoa Joe vacates the NXT title. I'm like, here we go. With all the rumors about NXT changing and Vince and Bruce taking over. That was absolutely Vince and Bruce's idea. He later vacated the title, which he said was because of COVID-19 and testing positive for the coronavirus. I, I don't understand why he would have to vacate the title for that. I, I don't understand that. WWE had Roman do the same thing. They didn't vacate the fucking title from Roman. Shinsuke Nakamura had a broken fucking hand for five months. They didn't vacate the fucking title off of Shinsuke Nakamura, but Samoa Joe contacted COVID-19 and he had to vacate the fucking title? I don't buy that for a single solitary fucking second. Samoa Joe got COVID-19. WWE saw an easy out for him to vacate the championship without actually telling you why they vacated the championship from Samoa Joe because he was somebody that they originally fired. He was brought back by Triple H. Triple H put him in a storyline with Karrion Cross. He had Samoa Joe beat Cross for the title. And WWE was never going to have a show run by Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon with Samoa Joe as the world champion after they had already fired him. They used COVID-19 and him getting COVID-19 as the easy out to take the title off of him. They just couldn't take the title off of him without a reason. They could have if they wanted to, but it would have looked very shady. So COVID-19 was the reason that Samoa Joe was vacated of the NXT championship. Joe was on Busted Open Radio this past week with Dave LaGreca and Tommy Dreamer. This is where he revealed he tested positive for COVID-19 prior to relinquishing the title. Joe said, I popped for COVID before talking about how at the time his wife was making stew and he couldn't smell it. He tested positive on a Saturday. Joe recalled having a conversation with Vince McMahon about the new direction of NXT. Then I tested positive, I think, on Saturday. And by then, Vince McMahon had really wanted to go in a different direction with NXT. I I thought Shawn Michaels was in charge. I thought Shawn Michaels was in charge of NXT. Vince McMahon wanted to go in a different direction, Samoa Joe says. So right then and there, Vince McMahon is in charge of NXT. He wanted to go in a different direction with NXT. He really wanted to have the new opening of NXT 2.0 kind of be with a bang, and I agreed with him. I said, listen, if that's the case, then you know. This is probably what's best for your vision of what you want for this product, and I did it. 
Joe worked as a scout and a coach in NXT before he was released by WWE in January, along with Road Dogg and William Regal and amongst others. During Busted Open, Joe addressed his future in wrestling as well. Since my departure from WWE, I've been consumed with outside work, outside of the wrestling industry. A lot of cool voiceover work, been busy with that. As far as my future in wrestling, I kind of started my road back to the ring in NXT. That road never really stopped. I just kept training, being in the PC at the time with a lot of young talent, working with guys who are now, I want to put over some NXT talent. He praised the Creeds, the Creed brothers, Solo Sokoa, Braun Breaker. He was disappointed he didn't get to work with Braun Breaker. He then circled back to his future. We're training. We're ready. I'm not on paper with anybody anywhere, and we haven't signed anything. We're just kind of exploring our options. End quote. Joe also stated he's taking some personal time, and he will see what the coming months have in store. I'm not really engaged with anybody or exploring that. I've been consumed with my other work, which has been nice. We're now getting back to pro wrestling and seeing where we go from here. With Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor, I could see Samoa Joe ending up eventually with AEW and doing something as far as William Regal is concerned in a backstage role with Ring of Honor. That's my prediction there. He could go to Impact. I wouldn't really care if he does go to Impact. I do think Samoa Joe is a a bigger name now than he was then, obviously. And I do think he needs a bigger platform to get that name out there and get his talents out there. I do think at the end of all of this, he's going to end up with AEW. I do think that we should bring him in for a House of Glory show as well. If he's not signed with anybody and not really engaged with anybody, I mean, well, let's get uh, Samoa Joe here in Queens, man, and get him at the NYC Arena on Fight TV working for House of Glory for a little bit. You know, we still need to crown a new world champion. I don't know if there's anybody out there that is as legit as Samoa Joe. I love Joe, and I wish him nothing but the best, but that... That COVID-19 thing, I'm glad he's all right, and I'm glad he's better, but that was nothing more than an easy out for WWE to say, yeah, we don't want you a champion, so uh, our vision is different. I think it's about time you give the title back. And then he was fired anyway. Sucks to be be, uh, NXT. Look at what they've done to NXT, man. Gutted. How do you let somebody like that and William Regal go? I I I will never understand it. But Joe is going to be fine, and I do think he's going to end up with... AEW, or in some capacity, Tony Khan's new Ring of Honor. Guys, that's all I got for your Tuesday afternoon. Let me know what you guys think of all the content on today's podcast down below in the comments section. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a 1,000 likes minimum. If you missed anything on the channel, go check out everything on the homepage right now, including the Revolution Post Show and last night's Monday Night's Raw Post Show. Go check all that stuff out. Let's hit that thumbs up. Like I said, a thousand likes minimum on today's OTS. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for all notifications and go check out my sponsor for today's show. Once again, my great friends over at Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days free and one free audio book of your choice. Guys, I will see you back on Wednesday for a live stream with Jesse. It's going to be an amazing dynamite. Lots to talk about with the aftermath of Revolution. What's going on with Moxley, Brian, Regal? Are we going to see Jeff Hardy? What's next for Punk? What's next for Wardlow? What's next for Adam Page in the AW World Championship? Should be an amazing show on Wednesday, and I will be live here to cover it all for you with Jesse from the OTS venue. Guys, have a great Tuesday. I'll see you live on YouTube Wednesday. 
for the AEW Dynamite post show on OTS. I'll see you guys later.